Welcome to The Gallopod with me, Gallopacidia. In this episode, I'm reading the final part of my fic, Scaredy Cat. Don't forget to check out the bonus episode, where I'll talk a little bit about what went into writing this fic. I'm going to be taking a break for the summer, but I'll be back in a couple of months with another story. I hope you enjoy Scaredy Cat. Chapter 19 I brought your tea. Harry opened his eyes. Draco perched on the bed beside him, dressed in his clothes from the night before. Harry felt as if he had only been asleep for ten minutes, and when he spoke, his voice was croaky. What time is it? Eight, said Draco, suddenly. Draco, go back to sleep. Can't. Farmer's market. Wake up. Harry's throat was dry, but he managed to laugh a little. Draco helped him sit, then handed him a mug of tea. He climbed into bed next to Harry to drink his own. Are we okay? he asked, when Harry was a bit more awake. Harry smiled at him. Yes, he said. Is this my future now? 8am wake-ups on Saturdays. It is if you want cheap in-season fruit, yes, said Draco. Harry felt rather dazed as they walked through the farmer's market. Draco bought flowers and cheese and artisanal bread and all sorts of things it would never have occurred to Harry to want, but to his surprise he came back to Grimmauld Place when they were done and began putting the food away in Harry's cupboard. Seamus wasn't home. Harry suspected he had hooked up with someone at the party. I thought this was for your place, said Harry. Draco pulled out a mouldy bag of sliced bread from the back of Harry's cupboard and brandished it at Harry. Shame on you, he said, tossing it in the bin. I don't care what Luna says about the magical properties of mould, it doesn't belong on bread. Where are you living anyway? asked Harry. With Blaze? Draco turned back to the cupboard and finished unpacking his bag before he answered. Move back in with my parents, he said casually. Oh, said Harry. Draco turned around, his expression horribly bland. Is that a problem? He said. Why would it be a problem? Draco just looked at him. Draco, your dad's sick. I think it's nice that you've moved home. It can't have been what you wanted. I'm just worried it's going to be really stressful for you. Draco's neutral look melted away, leaving behind a strange, grateful sort of sadness. My mother's having a hard time, he said. Then he turned back to the flowers on the counter. Would you be terribly offended if I bought you some new vases? Your ones are so... unique. They're hideous, said Harry, pulling one out and giving it to Draco. Draco began to snip the flower stems. I'd love some new ones. Is your mother okay? Not really. Anyway, it'll only be for... for a few years. He hasn't got long. Then we'll probably sell the manor and she can get a flat in Chelsea near her friend's. Harry rested his cheek on Draco's shoulder. You're lovely, said Draco. So are you, murmured Harry, buying me flowers and fancy bread. I like taking care of you, said Draco, and Harry nuzzled into his shoulder. I can take care of myself, said Harry. I always have. I know, said Draco, but that's my job now. Harry took the flowers out of Draco's hands and cornered him against the counter for a long kiss. Sometime later... They lay on the kitchen floor, dishevelled and spent. What shall we do today? asked Draco, his fingers moving languorously back and forth through Harry's hair. I'm starving, said Harry. I see a baguette, said Draco, and when the baguette was in his hand he took a hearty bite out of the tip before handing it to Harry. Harry did the same. The bread was crusty, soft on the inside. This is a very nice morning, said Harry. He turned his head to look at Draco who blinked at him very slowly. Got something in your eye? asked Harry. 
I read somewhere that that's how cats say I love you, said Draco, then did it again. And Harry did it back, which made Draco smile. It became something like a code between them. Harry would catch Draco's eye across a room, and Draco would blink slowly, and Harry would know he was loved. The news of their relationship spread quickly, largely because of Seamus, who insisted on loudly fire-calling everyone he knew the moment he found out. When Harry asked who he was sleeping with, however, Seamus grew secretive and changed the subject. Harry thought it was probably Dean, which he found depressing enough to stop asking Seamus about it. For a few weeks, Harry and Draco were the hot gossip of the group, with Blaze ostentatiously telling anyone who had listened that he had known all along, and Harry blushing whenever anyone asked him about it. Draco was much better at spinning the narrative. He simply told extremely graphic BDSM sex stories whenever anyone asked him about Harry, until everyone learned A, not to believe a word he said, and B, to avoid asking him about it. His imagination was both vivid and disturbing. Everyone stopped talking about it when something more exciting happened. Ron proposing to Hermione. He was going to wait until next year, Hermione told Harry confidentially, but we decided it might take the heat off you and Draco. Anyway, we don't want to wait. Neville came up to Harry and Draco one afternoon at Blazer's house. They were standing on the balcony, judging Blazer's furniture. I like it, said Harry. It's pretentious, said Draco. Or it would be if it was yours. I don't like it for me, said Harry. I like it for him and Pansy. I see you in a lovely house in the country, made of stone, said Draco. Maybe in Godric's Hollow. Harry took his hand and squeezed it. Yeah, he said. Me too. And where do you see yourself? Draco looked at his shoes and smiled. In a lovely house in the country, made of stone. Maybe in Godric's Hollow, he said. And Harry's heart nearly burst with happiness. Hey, said Neville. Harry's head snapped up. Neville looked better than before, a little less gaunt, and his eyes weren't so bloodshot. Hey, said Draco, instantly serious. Congratulations, said Neville, addressing Draco. Draco nodded. Thank you. I hear you and Luna are very good together. Don't, said Neville. Draco dropped his eyes. How have you been? asked Harry, quietly taking a step closer to Draco. You look good. Thanks, said Neville. I've been doing okay, actually. Luna and I have been seeing a shaman. It's really helped. Um, Draco, I heard about Lucius. Draco didn't say anything, or even move. Neville cleared his throat. It looked like he was stealing himself to say something difficult. I'm sorry, he said, stiffly. Are you okay? Draco looked up, his grey eyes wide and surprised. Yes, he said. Thank you. He touched Neville's arm. Really, it means a lot. He and Neville shared a long look, then Neville shrugged away, looking awkward. Well, I'd better find Luna. Nice to see you both, he said, and went away. Draco slouched against Harry. That was lovely, he said. Was it? asked Harry, incredulously. Yeah, said Draco. Seamus moved back into his old flat pretty soon after Harry and Draco started dating, even though Draco only slept at Harry's three nights a week. Draco spent most of his time at the manor with his parents. He and Harry texted constantly. Harry knew he wasn't the first person Draco tended to call when he was upset about Lucius. Knew Draco went to Blaze and Pansy first, or to Theo. But when Harry asked him point blank, Draco was always honest. How's your dad today? Not so well. And how are you? Not so well. Sure you don't want to come over? I can't cook, but I could order something in for you. I left you leftovers. 
Plus, you can make a salad. I made you a dressing. It's in the jar, labelled dressing. I know this is complicated stuff, but I feel with guidance you should be able to figure it out. Ha ha. Come over? I really can't today. Mother is... struggling. Yeah, but you're struggling too. Yes, I'm very brave. No, I'm serious. It's a lot. Just go easy on yourself. You're always very kind to me. See you tomorrow. For Ramayani cake tasting. You know they both hate that you call them that. Which weekly came up with it? Don't hit the player. Hit the game. God, you're awful. It's terrible to think I love you. X. The first few times Harry suggested it, Draco was adamant. Absolutely not. Draco, they're your parents. I'm your boyfriend. You can't stop us from ever meeting again. Draco laughed, coldly and bitterly. He stood by the sitting room window, his forehead resting on the glass. I can certainly stop you from ever seeing my father again, he said. But I want to see him, said Harry. Why? asked Draco, still cold, still bitter. Because I want to take care of you, said Harry, the way you take care of me. Draco didn't say anything. But when Harry went to him, he turned around and wrapped himself in Harry's arms. His face was chilled from the window pane, and he warmed it against Harry's neck. It'll remind you of who I am, he said, quietly. I know who you are, said Harry. What if you don't, said Draco. A Draco Malfoy, reformed dickhead, said Harry. And Draco laughed, and they didn't talk about it anymore that afternoon. But Harry didn't let it go. Draco spent so much time at the manor, and it weighed so heavily on him. Harry hated to think of him going through it alone. He asked and he asked, until finally Draco agreed with wide, unhappy eyes. You're going to remember, he said, several times. Draco, I never forgot, said Harry. But Draco just looked resigned. They went to the manor on a Sunday afternoon, around tea time. Harry asked Draco for advice on what to wear, and Draco was strangely unforthcoming. Doesn't matter, he said. There was very little Draco liked more than giving Harry sartorial advice. But Harry had only really asked because he thought it might soothe Draco, and when it became apparent that it wouldn't, he just threw on an old jumper and some jeans. This okay? he asked Draco. Draco barely glanced at him. Doesn't matter what you wear, he said. Aren't your parents kind of... you know, said Harry trying to find a way to say insufferably snobbish without being rude. It doesn't matter, said Draco. They have no right to judge you in any capacity, and they know perfectly well what would happen if they do. Harry tilted his head. Draco was fixing his hair in the hall mirror. He hadn't really looked at Harry all day. What will happen if they judge me? asked Harry. I'll move out and never speak to them again, said Draco. It was the same deal with Neville. They behaved themselves. They understand threats. You're not nervous about them being rude to me, said Harry, realising it as he spoke. They won't be rude to you. You're nervous about me starting to hate you. I'm always nervous about that, said Draco. Harry stood behind him and kissed the back of his neck. I love you, he said. Let's go, said Draco. He was quite right. Narcissa was so hospitable it was almost uncomfortable. She took Harry's jacket. She had made sandwiches with the crusts cut off. Herself, because it seemed that part of Draco's arrangement with his parents was that they couldn't use house elves when his friends came over. She had found out Harry's favourite bakery and bought a selection of cakes, and she used the formal family china. She smiled at him and asked him gentle questions and told him repeatedly to have more cake. It was like having tea with a very polite, expensive Molly Weasley. Lucius lay on the sofa, under several thick blankets, although the day was warm. 
His hair was thin and grey. I'm sorry, he whispered to Harry. I don't recall your name. Harry looked quickly at Draco, but Draco gazed at the floor, sitting tensely next to his mother. It's Harry Potter, father, said Draco, before Harry could decide what was going on. Was Lucius pretending not to recognise him, to make the situation less awkward? Remember? The boy who lived. Of course, said Lucius. <laughs> yes, I remember now. But he asked several more times throughout tea. Remind me of your name, he asked, and Draco, who's your friend? And each time Draco answered, in short, terse words. After about half an hour, Lucius began to cough, and he didn't stop for ten minutes, each racking, bloodied croak sounding as if it had scraped its way through his chest like knives on cartilage. Draco went to sit by him, looking so weary it made Harry tired to look at him. He stroked Lucius's back, but didn't say anything. Is there anything I can get you, Mr Malfoy? asked Harry, because Lucius was so clearly in agony, and it was dreadful not to try to lessen it. Lucius didn't respond. Perhaps he hadn't heard him over the coughing. There's nothing that helps, said Narcissa. So Harry just had to wait, watching Draco's miserable horror, unable to do anything to alleviate it. When Lucius was done, Draco passed him a glass of water. He carried on stroking his back as Lucius drank, and kissed his father lightly on the temple. I love you, he said. I'm all right now, wheezed Lucius. Poor father, murmured Draco. Maybe you should take a nap. No, I'm all right now, said Lucius. He caught sight of Harry. Who's this? I didn't know it was so bad, said Harry, late that night. They stood in the shower. Draco had been downhearted all evening. Everyone's parents die eventually, said Draco. The water trickled over his face, getting trapped in his eyebrows and eyelashes. Harry suspected that he was crying, but it was hard to tell in the water. Well, yeah, but it's still shit, said Harry. You know, he's actually become much kinder, said Draco. All his edges worn off. It's easier to love him. Harry moved Draco out of the water and began to massage shampoo into Draco's hair. Draco shut his eyes. He always loved it when Harry stroked him. Maybe that's a silver lining, said Harry. You're so kind to me, said Draco. I love you, said Harry. Draco put his hands on Harry's chest and spread his fingers. I know, he said. You make everything easier. Everything. I'm glad, said Harry. After that, he came to the manor much more often. He held Draco when Draco retreated to the kitchen to cry, and he got Lucius glasses of water and asked Narcissa about her gardening when Draco was too sad to make conversation. He even slept over sometimes. He learnt that Draco didn't have nightmares. He had memories. Harry would wake to a wincing sound and roll over to find Draco clutching his head. You okay? Harry asked for the first time. Just remembered something I did, said Draco. Go back to sleep. Something you did? Something I said to Ron in Vithia. Go back to sleep. Are you okay? Draco nodded. Go back to sleep, he said again. Come here, said Harry, and folded Draco into his arms. I love you. I love you too, said Draco. So much. He pressed his fingers so tightly against Harry's skin that it hurt. So much. You know said Blaze, slicing into his honeyed ham tart. Such a lovely little cottage just came up on the market in Godric's Hollow. Harry leant suspiciously back in his chair. 
Why are you looking at real estate in Godric's Hollow? Blaze widened his eyes innocently. I like to keep abreast of the property market. In Godric's Hollow? Pansy's birthday's coming up. Thought I might buy her a little house as a gift. Harry and Blaze had started having lunch again. In fact, Harry had started having lunch with a lot of people when Draco was in New York, and he had kept it up. It was nice seeing people so often, having different people to consult for different problems. It made him feel balanced. That's pretty extravagant, said Harry. A yacht is extravagant. A sweet little country cottage is thoughtful. Anyway, I found one that would be just right for you and Draco, and it's in his budget, if not yours. Harry ignored the nonsensical slight on his financial status. Draco and I aren't looking to buy a house, he said. Aren't you? Blaze lifted his eyebrows. Because when they sell the manor, he won't have anywhere to live. They're not going to sell the manor until... Yes, until... Harry put down his fork. You know something I don't, he said. Blaze took a delicate sip of his elderflower cordial. Blaze? I don't think it'll be long until they sell the manor. And I think it would be nice for Draco to have something to look forward to. Harry remembered Neville saying that dating Draco was like dating a polite teenager. It wasn't true anymore, of course. For one thing, Draco took care of Harry most of the time, cooked for him, and made Grimmauld Place beautiful, and made Harry laugh. But it was true that he still found it hard to openly tell Harry when he was sorrowful. It didn't bother Harry. It only made him love him more. After lunch, Blaze took Harry to the cottage in Godric's Hollow. It's not far from the place I've bought Pansy, said Blaze. It was little, with heavy Tudor beams and huge fireplaces. It had a small garden and a wooden gate painted blue. White roses grew over the walls. Yeah, said Harry, making up his mind on the spot. Okay, I'll buy it. But you're sneaky. Oh, how marvellous. Now it'll be far easier to persuade Ron and Hermione to buy the house next door. Are you planning to invade Godric's Hollow? What's going on? Blaze shrugged. It's nice to have friends nearby. And for once, Harry couldn't accuse him of anything nefarious, because it was true. Lucius died two weeks later. Harry helped Blaze, Pansy and Theo organise the funeral. Draco was unusually quiet, smiling too much and becoming rather polite, even to Harry. It's better than how he used to act out, said Blaze. They all went to the funeral, even Ginny. Draco had been so busy taking care of his mother and arranging for the sale of the manor that he hadn't asked about who would be coming to the funeral, and when he saw them all, the packed benches, all for him, because he knew full well they weren't there for Lucius, he cried for the first time since his father's death. That night, in bed, they had sex. I love you, said Draco. Afterwards, they lay curled up around each other, and Draco said, I feel okay. Yeah? Yes. I feel... It's easier now that it's happened. That makes sense, said Harry. You don't think that was an awful thing to say? No, said Harry. Where am I going to live? sighed Draco. With me, said Harry. Draco laughed into Harry's skin. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't fishing, I swear. Blaze said I could move in with him while I look for a place. No, said Harry, I've bought us a house. Draco sat up. You what? Um, you don't have to live in it if you don't want. It's in Godric's Hollow. It's made of stone. It has roses growing up the walls. You bought us a house? Harry covered his face with his hands. I knew I shouldn't have listened to Blaze, he said. Oh, the fucker, said Draco. 
then began to laugh. He laughed so long that Harry suddenly saw that it was funny, and laughed too, until they were both nearly in tears, their heads resting together. God, said Harry, I'm sorry. What an insane thing to do. It's very romantic, said Draco. In that romance characters who don't talk to each other sort of way. I can sell it, suggested Harry. What? No, we're moving in. We are. Draco kissed him. Yes, he said. I want to live with you. You're home to me anyway. Harry remembered that strange, rootless feeling he had felt when he slept with Will. The longing he had felt for someone to tie himself to. Yeah, he said. You're home to me too. It was April by the time they moved in. The garden was filled with unruly flowers, and Ron and Hermione planned to move next door after their wedding in June. Harry knew he should objectively have been happy, but the papers had started their yearly build-up to the Battle of Hogwarts, and he fell heavily back into sadness. Draco did all the unpacking alone, because Harry was useless. Sorry, muttered Harry. For what? asked Draco, looking so genuinely confused that Harry didn't apologise again. Draco liked looking after him. He never saw Harry as a burden. It was strange to realise that, in slow but steady jolts of understanding. One night, Harry woke up in their new bed, and was so oppressed by horror that he shook Draco awake. Oh, darling, said Draco, and held him close. Harry. I just, wept Harry, I just want it to go away. Draco rocked him. It will, he said. But what if it doesn't? What if I just feel like this forever? Draco held him so tightly, and he didn't seem tired at all, even though it was the middle of the night, and they both had work the next day. He seemed as if he would hold Harry for hours if needed. Then, said Draco, then we'll get through it together. I'm here. You're not alone. And suddenly, Harry felt it. Really and truly felt how not alone he was. It made him sob harder, but his heart was lightened. When Harry finally stopped crying, he went to the loo to wash his face. Standing at the sink, his body began to shake with tears again, and he didn't know why, because he felt better. But still they came. And so did Draco. He let himself inside, and held Harry from behind. I'm here, he said. And although that didn't change the fact that Harry wasn't over the wall, it did change something. It changed something, permanently, for the better. I want to have people over on the anniversary of the battle, he told Draco. Draco looked up from the stack of articles he was editing. Like a party, he said. Like a, a gathering, said Harry. Draco chewed on the end of his pen. And you want me and Theo and Greg to come? Yes, said Harry. Draco laid his pen down on the table. If you want, he said, hesitantly. I'm not sure it's appropriate. We're all friends with you guys, said Harry. Well, yes, but friends with the fault line we will try not to trigger. I think it will help, said Harry. Draco shrugged. Harry knew how nervous the idea must make him, but he also knew that Draco would have done anything to make Harry feel better. All right, said Draco. I'll organise it. So, on May 2nd, not quite ten years after the Battle of Hogwarts, Harry invited all of his closest friends over to the house he shared with Draco. Ron and Hermione brought wine, and Blaze and Pansy bought far more expensive wine. The Weasleys came, and Lee Jordan, and Luna and Neville. Luna looking placid, Neville twitchy. 
and Theo Nort and Greg Goyle and Marcus Flint, Dean Thomas and Parvati and Lavender and Seamus and Millicent and the Greengrass sisters and more besides. They sat in the lovely back garden, drinking Prosecco and eating the appetizers Draco had made from an elaborate cookbook he was determinedly working his way through. The night was warm, and dusk didn't come until late. Draco had put up bunting and magical fairy lights, and the whole garden looked like a daydream. Gossip, said Blaze, coming to sit next to Harry and Draco on the grass. What? asked Draco. Don't encourage him, said Harry. Dean Thomas and Ginny Weasley, said Blaze, ignoring him. What? said Harry. Oh, now he's not above petty scandal, said Blaze. That's not gossip, said Draco, with a yawn. Harry turned to him, betrayed. They fancied each other for ages, didn't they go out in school? But Seamus, said Harry. He's with Theo, said Draco, as if everyone knew this. What? Ah, that may be a secret. Blaze. Blaze looked smug beyond words. I wouldn't dream of telling anyone. I am secrecy itself. How long have they been together? asked Harry. Draco, how do you always know everything? Theo told me ages ago. It was a whole drama. Casual sex, but they both caught feeling sort of thing. I thought everyone knew they're so obvious, said Draco. And you knew about Dean and Ginny, too? Ginny told me, said Draco. Ginny told said Harry, outraged. Draco tilted his head to one side. Now I think about it, you may have told me to tell you before Blaze did. Oh, you're so shit, said Harry. Literally just the shittest boyfriend I've ever had. Draco's smug smile rivaled Blaze's for sheer self-satisfaction. I'm the only boyfriend you've ever had, he said. For now, said Harry, darkly. And Draco laughed and kissed him. Harry hadn't been sleeping well, hadn't been functioning in general, but Draco still made him laugh almost every day. The sun had gone down before Harry worked up the courage to do it. Hermione went from group to group casting heating spells, and Draco lit candles. The low murmur of people talking reminded Harry that summer was coming, and with it, Ron and Hermione's wedding, and long, bright evenings with friends. He stood and struck his glass with a spoon. Draco looked up at him, confused, then began to clink his glass too. Soon the garden was loud with clinking. Hi, said Harry, and they fell silent. Harry's heart pounded in his chest. His palms were sweaty. But he knew everyone there, knew them well, and Draco sat on the ground beside him, watching him with affectionate curiosity. Uh, I'm not very good at speeches, said Harry. I don't... Someone else could probably do this better, probably. Hermione definitely could. But, um, I invited you all here tonight because it's been eight years since there was a war. He glanced at Draco, but Draco was staring very hard at a patch of grass. I guess what I'm trying to say, not very eloquently, is that, um, I'm not doing so well. I find this time of year really hard. I, um, get these weird dreams and, <laughs> yeah, I mean, see... My hand is shaking, which is partly because I really don't want to be giving this speech, but also because it just keeps shaking every year for about a month in the lead up to this date. Everyone was staring at him, which was, he supposed, what he should have expected. But it was hard. He felt something touch his foot. He looked down and saw Draco's hand gently resting on it. Uh, um, said Harry. Yeah. I think... I don't know... That I'll ever not have the dreams, or feel like everything goes very slow and watery when someone brings up the battle or anything that reminds me of it. Like, maybe I'll always feel that. But something that really helps is feeling that other people understand. 
that maybe some of you, he looked around at them all, that some of you know what it's like not to be doing so well in this particular way. And if you're figuring it out, I can too. And if I figure it out, so can you. Hear, hear, said George Weasley. His voice sounded a little rough. Even though I've had a shit month, Harry went on. It's been so much less shit than this time last year, and that time was less shit than the year before, and... I'm just very grateful to the people who have been there for me. His eyes caught Ron and Hermione, Pansy and Seamus. Then he looked at Draco, who still had his eyes lowered. I'm so grateful to you, Draco. Draco's head started up. For helping me understand that I wasn't alone, said Harry. They stared at each other, and Harry blinked, slowly, like a cat. Draco gave a surprised little laugh. Harry looked back out at his friends, at his candlelit garden. And that's why I wanted to make this speech, even though obviously it's probably been a real train wreck and Ron's going to make fun of me for it for years. But I thought, what if one of you thinks you're alone when you're not? Because you're here in my garden, and every year we grow away from the war, it becomes just a little more distant and a little easier. So, if you could all lift your glasses, God, this is terrible, I'm so embarrassed, and drink to friends who are there, if only you know to look. They did exactly as ordered, lifted their glasses and drank to his unwieldy toast, and Harry sank to the ground next to Draco. Aren't you an angel, said Draco, into his ear. Aren't you just perfect? That was terrible, said Harry. God, did I really do that? Maybe it's a bad dream. Harry, said Draco. I wish I hadn't told you I love you already. I wish I could tell you now for the first time. <laughs> to make me feel better about how humiliating that was, said Harry. I love you, said Draco, seriously. And somehow it did feel like the first time. Draco's eyes were solemn, truthful. Harry, said Hermione, bursting in between them and throwing her arms around him. Oh, Harry, that was so beautiful. A bit naff, but in a good way, said Ron, coming to sit next to Harry. Then more and more people crowded around him, congratulating him. Some of them seemed merry and bewildered, others strangely earnest, some even near tears. I'm not over it either, said Dean, quietly, when he hugged Harry. Thank you for saying that, said Pavati, which made Harry wonder if she was lonely, and if he should invite her over more often. Thank you for inviting us, said Theo, shaking Harry's hand a little too intently. I know that it's not easy to have me and Greg and Draco around on this date. Thank you. Lee Jordan just hovered near, as if he wanted to tell Harry something, but he was hoping to wait until Harry was more alone to say it. And Harry wasn't alone, because he was surrounded by people who wanted to talk to him. Draco sat a few feet away, talking to Hermione. And when Harry caught his eye, Draco smiled. Then he blinked, slowly, like a cat saying, I love you. That was the final part of Scaredy Cat, written and read by Gallup Sidia. Don't forget to join my newsletter, if you like, at newsletter.gallopod.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a review on the Apple Podcast app and maybe share it with a friend who you think will like the show. I also have an Instagram at letthemeatbooks with underscores instead of spaces where I post reviews of the books I read, so please say hello on there. Thank you for listening.